0: So, so today's a, a kind of a, a different week. At the beginning of the year, before actually before the year, uh, the lead pastors at Redemption Church we we plan out our our preaching calendar for the year, and so occasionally we'll put in in the preaching calendar just weeks where we'll take a week off and we're free to talk about whatever we want to. And so, I, I choose to really. Uh, light and fluffy topic to talk about this week, right? I wanted to talk about pride. And, uh, and the reason I want to talk about it is something I've been learning about. It's something I have been, I've been, a question I've been asking a lot is, is there a good form of pride? And so this preaching on it gave me a reason to really dig in deep in the Bible and, and study on pride and, and, and figure that out. And the reason I started asking is there a good form of pride is because, in in our culture in America, right, we see that pride is considered a virtue, and that I, I was struggling with that idea because the Bible speaks as as pride, as as a great sin, right, the greatest of all vices, and, and so I was trying to reconcile. Well, is there a good form of pride? And we had this conversation in my community group even a couple times. Uh, you know, kind of debating: is, is there a good form of pride? Is it okay to take pride in your work, or say, "I'm proud of my kids"? And, and, uh, and then you know, we see it in culture all over the place, right? Like one of my favorite MMA fighters has a big brown pride tattoo on his chest. You you see people waving flags, right? The the gay pride. You see people getting pride tattoos, or it's in it's in uh, mo- people's mottos, or slogans, banners, it's everywhere, right? So we're going to look at what is pride. And on the other hand, there's humility. Humility is spoken of opposite, right? It's one of the, one of the greatest virtues in the Bible. And our culture is viewed as, as uh, you know, is, it's discouraged, right, to be, to be prideful. It's looked down upon or to be humble. So here's the questions we're going to answer. What is pride? What are the consequences of pride? How do I see pride in my life? Is there any good pride? And then how do I deal with pride? All right? So the first thing uh, that I've learned about pride is that pride is the root sin under every sin, right? It's the root. If you see fruit of sinful behaviors and, and attitudes and emotions in your life, they're rooted in pride it's the root sin under every sin cs lewis said pride leads to every other vice it is the complete anti-god state of mind and many uh, great theologians from the past from thomas aquinas to to uh, augustine calvin luther have taught the same thing that pride is the the root sin under every sin and it's and it's because Pride seeks to exalt myself over God and others. Pride seeks to exalt the self. And pride ends up leading us to, to want to control our own life. Right? Once we want to control our own life because of pride, which therefore if we're, we're exalting ourself over God, I'm trying to control my own life, it's going to lead to all other vices. So irreligion, is a form of pride. Irreligion is non-religion, having no religion at all, right? Which is just many people that live in America, right? Maybe they're a good person. Maybe they're a family person. They work hard. Uh, They seek education. We would think of them as good people, but they don't worship Jesus. They don't follow Jesus. They're seeking to do life on their own terms, right? They're not following God, submitting to Him. That's pride, Right? I'm going to do it my own way. And and another one that's maybe not so obvious is is religion. Religion can be, religion is pride. Right? It's saying I'm going to do it my own way. I'm going to control my life. Religion says I'm going to earn my way before God. Right? Religion says subtly, it says, Jesus, I don't need you. I don't need your grace. I don't need your cross. I don't need a repentance and faith. I can keep the rules. I can... I can be good enough. I can earn your favor. Right? So pride is self-exalting. It leads to controlling your own life and proving yourself. And really what pride is, the easiest way to look at pride is pride is placing ourself on the throne where only God should be. Pride places ourself on the throne. And it pushes God to the, the periphery. It pushes God out. And at best, God exists now to please me, to satisfy my desires, make my wishes come true, right? God's there for me rather than I'm here for God, right? Do you see that distinction? So pride is very dangerous. It's a, an attack on God. And, and, it, and it places ourself at the center of our world, and then we begin to expect others to to serve us to to follow us to to do what we say right and and when people don't it leads us to be angry and bitter and and manipulative right because we expect others to serve us to do to do follow our rules to to do what uh, we want them to do that's what pride leads to and 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 it leads to selfishness and self-centeredness and, and greed because it's about me, right? And jealousy because I, I, I believe other people should be looking at me or I deserve other people's affection. It le- leads us to be all about me. Now the thing about pride too, so those, that's kind of the obvious pride, right? Where it's all about me, I'm self-exalting, I'm boasting. Those are the easy ones to see. There's a subtle form of pride. There's a a passive form of self-exalting pride that exists, right? And and this is why it's so hard to see pride, because sometimes it can be very passive. And I would say all of our fears are rooted in pride, because fears seem passive. And and we usually feel these fears when we're losing control of my world, which indicates I'm trying to control my world, right, which is pride. I'm trying to do it my way, and now I'm feeling fear because I can't control it, right? So I feel stress and worry and anxiety and insecurity. All these forms of fears are rooted in pride. I want to control my own world. So, for example, fear of failure or indecisiveness, right? Th- these are fruits. The root goes back to pride. Fear of failure, indecisiveness is is rooted in I'm afraid to make a a decision. I'm afraid to fail because what are others going to think about me, right? I I want others to think highly of me. I want to succeed. I want to be in control, which are pride things. But it looks, it almost looks humble, Right, because you're you're more lowly and, and scared. You're not necessarily self exalting, but you're you're doing it in a passive way, right? I don't want to be exposed. I, what am I going to think about myself if if I fail? I won't be able to live up to my own standards, right? Fear of the the future, fear of the unknown, is rooted in pride, right? Because I want to have control of my future. Prideful control. And and I'm afraid it's not gonna. Not, I'm not gonna be able to control it. I'm afraid of what's gonna happen in the future, right? Rather than trusting in God and and knowing that He's sovereign in control. So I hope you can see that. Another one is fear of rejection or insecurity, right? Fear of rejection, insecurity looks almost looks humble, but really it's a, it's a form of pride because. I want others to think highly of me, right? I don't want to be rejected. I want to be exalted, all right? Now, there's many examples of pride in the Bible. In the Old Testament, uh, there's King Uzziah. There's a lot of great stories. You know, you can go look at Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, uh, But King Uzziah, he was a believer, and he became king of Judah at age 16, at age 16, in 2 Chronicles 26, 26 records his story. And, it, and it, it tells us that he sought God and he put himself under the spiritual men, member, uh, mentorship of Zechariah. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. And he, became, uh, he acquired wealth and, and, and he became militarily and politically prosperous and powerful. But then things changed. And in 2 Chronicles 26.15, it says, His fame spread far, for he was marvelously helped till he was strong. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Right? So instead of giving thanks to God and worshiping God, he, he grew proud. He exalted himself. He began to see himself more highly than he should have, right? He sought to control his own life and, and do it his own way, right? He pushed God to the periphery, to the outside. And what happened is, his downfall happened one day when he entered into the temple. He went to the temple of God, and he went to go burn incense on the altar of incense, and which was by God's God ordained that only the priests would do this. But he, he went in there pridefully, thinking more highly of himself, overestimating his abilities, and and as he's as he's in there, he's confronted by 80 priests. 80 priests confront him. And he it tells us that he grew angry. He was angry that they were were not revolving around him, doing what he says, right? And, and it says, when he grew angry, suddenly before them all, he broke out with leprosy in his face. Leprosy was a, was a terrible skin disease that they had no cure of at, at, at that time that caused people to have to be put away, put out of the city. And so uh, Uzziah ended up living the rest of his life in isolation. He lost his kingdom, and he, and he lived with leprosy till, his, till, till he died right? God humbled him. And so it's so easy, right? It's so easy as we, we get stronger, as we, as we get more achievements or more power or, or, or more praise from people, even when it's from God, right? God's gift, because anything we have, it, it comes from God. It's so easy to, to exalt ourselves, to it, want to still the glory. And to overestimate even our own, because of our pride, to overestimate our, our abilities or, or our calling in life, overstep our bounds, right? Have you ever had that, right? When something good happens in your life and it's a blessing from God, you begin to <laughs> take pride in it? You know, that's, that's why I'm, I'm seeing this and I'm like, well, that, that's me. That's me. I was so convicted as I, as I read this. In the New Testament, we see spiritual pride. Pride also affects religious people. Look at Luke 18 with me. I want to read this. Starting in verse 9, Jesus gives a a, a parable to the Pharisees. It says in 9, and he told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Right? He's talking to the Pharisees who, who trust in themselves, who are, who are pridefully trying to earn their way for, before God. And because of, because of their pride, now they're treating others. They, they hate Gentiles. They hate sinners. And they mistreat them. And it's in the, So the parable goes in verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus... God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. Right? And so notice what what the Pharisee is talking about. He's not talking about God. He's not glorifying God. He's talking about how good he is, right? Self-exalting and how bad other people are. Right, which pride leads us to want to tear other people down so we can exalt ourselves even more. But the tax collector, verse 13, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Notice the tax collector, right? He's humble. It says he stands far off, right? He doesn't even come up to the front. He stays in the back. He won't look up to heaven, right? He he sees his sin. And he's ashamed of it, and he beats his breast crying out for God's mercy. And who goes home justified? Not the guy that thinks he so highly of himself. It's It's the lowly tax collector which was a man who was despised and hated as a, a traitor in this culture, right? The, the worst of all sinners, you could say, right? And he leaves justified because he humbles himself before God. He humbles himself and therefore God exalts him. And so in here there's this, says this, it says here that everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And so this is a, this is a, a scary warning that's in the Bible, right? The warning here is that we need to humble ourselves or we will be humbled. Humble yourself or you will be humbled. Proverbs 11.2 says pride leads to disgrace. Proverbs 16.18 says pride goes before destruction. James 4.6 says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Pride is truly our our greatest enemy, right. And so if we're if we're exalting ourselves with pride, whether it's a, a passive form of pride or, or an obvious overt form of pride and boasting, you' what, what you're doing is we're painting a target on our back, inviting God to open fire on us, right? And He will. He will. And so many Christians struggle through life because they're prideful. Right? They struggle because they won't submit to God. They're trying to control their life. They're trying to live Christian life on their own terms instead of surrendering and submitting to God and humbling themselves before Him. They live a a mediocre type of faith. Unfulfilled kind of life. And so the proud Christian will find that God is literally opposing them. Right? So God because God in His grace this is God's grace for the Christian. He ordains difficult trials. He disciplines those who He loves. He he ordains suffering and pain. And He allows suffering and pain and, and temptation. And it's God's grace you have to see it's God's grace because the, on the other hand God could just let us go into condemnation but God ordains those things so that we will be broken so that we will surrender to him so that we will surrender that control of our life to him and say all right God I need to step down off of this throne that that I've been putting myself on you're on the throne you become the center of my life Lord Right, God wants to bring us to the, that place where that, that tax collector's at, where we're, we're beating our breasts and, and crying out for mercy, seeing our sin and, and not even wanting to look up. That, that's a good place to be. That's the right place to be before God. Humble and lowly, admitting that you're a sinner. So how do we identify pride in our life? We have four things, just little tips. Most of us don't see pride in our own life. It's very hard to see in our own life. It's easy to see in others. But the first thing I, I, I'd ask you is, do you think that you're humble? If you think you're humble, you are very, very prideful, right? You can't go around thinking like, oh, man, I am so humble, right? That's the hard thing about pride is, no, if you think you're humble, you're proud. So if you think you're humble enough in your life you got some serious pride issues that you need to deal with the second thing I, I' say is do you hate pride in others the more you hate pride in others the more that you have have it in yourself often is the case I know when I play basketball the guys that annoy me that are most obnoxious are the the prideful guys. And then I realize it's because I'm just as prideful of them, and their pride is pushing against my pride, and I want to push back. I want to show that I'm the best on this court, you know? And, it, and it's my their pride b- bothers my pride, and it reveals it. And that third thing I say is ask God to reveal it to you. You know, pray, and God, open my eyes to see the stuff in my life so I can... Humble myself so I can repent of it. Genuinely seek God in prayer asking Him. And then I, I'd say another great thing is you can do is ask someone that you trust, maybe that you work with, that you live with, a roommate, a spouse, a, a, a co-worker, to help you identify significant areas of pride in your life. You know, is it, Do you see any arrogance? Do you see any pride in my life? Ask people. Humble yourself and be willing to listen to them. Four things you can do there. All right, so that brings us to the question is there any good pride? And surprisingly, which I I argued against this, I have to admit that there seems to be a good sort of pride in the Bible that's spoken of. I was very surprised. I had to kind of wrestle through all these scriptures, but it, it seems like there's this non self exalting pride. that is okay. And, now, I, and it's still hard for me to say that it's good or I'd encourage it, but it's a, it's a non-self-exalting kind of pride. So, if, for example, in if Paul in Romans 15, Paul, Paul uses pride and boasting a lot. And you'll see in Romans, and Corinthians, and I found it in one place in Galatians. But in, in Romans 15, 17 through 19, you see proud, Paul is proud of the churches that he had exampled that he had established, which I had to wrestle with this. Why why is Paul proud of this? You know, if pride's the the, the root sin under every sin, why why is Paul proud of the churches he established? It almost feels like he's boasting, but you have to go on and and you see that this is not an arrogant or self-exalting type of pride. He made it clear that his, his accomplishments were the fruit of God's grace to him and through him. So it's not self exalting it's a god exalting kind of pride right so the the problem is when it's when it becomes about us and we exalt self. We also see Paul mentioning boasting in God, boasting in what God has done by his grace, boasting in others he uses a lot or taking pride in others and and so anytime Paul is using this in the scriptures it's never self exalting it's always god exalting or or being happy, genuinely happy about something good that has happened. So most of us will say, you know, we're proud of our children, our work, maybe something we have accomplished, maybe a sports team. And so you got to be very careful, right? Because it ha- the only good pride is something that I'm, gen- I'm just genuinely pleased in this thing. Or, or I'm boasting, I'm exalting God in this thing. And so for me, though, because my heart is just prone to want to take credit. My heart is prone to just, just want to exalt myself. I, I, I'm not saying you have to do this, but I, I'm just not going to use the language of pride in my life. right? I'm going to tell my kids I'm, I'm pleased with them. I'm thankful for what they did. That glorifies God. You know. I'm going to try to use those, those God-exalting kind of language because for me, I could say, Man, Olivia, I'm so proud of your grades. And it could be genuinely pleased in, in her grades. But for me, then it goes to in my, in my head, and, and, and don't judge me or that's pride. All right? <laughs> don't judge me. <laughs> Pastor Sin, too. All right? It, it so easily goes to, oh, well, of course, she's got great genes. She's an Amaro. You know? Man, I'm, I'm a great father. Look man, I did a really good job with her. Right? So it could be an innocent form of pride then it it so easily in a in a second, you know, can go to being about me. So that I I'm just going to try to use intentionally use language that, that makes it not about me. All right? So for another another example could be, "Oh God, God I'm so thankful for what you're doing at Redemption West Mesa. I, I thank you that you you for all the baptism, I thank you for saving people. I thank you for how you're using us. To right that goes to, well, of course, right? Look at man, I'm a great leader. I'm a great pastor. It becomes about me. So beware of that. Beware of that. I'm I'm repenting of it. I'm confessing it. I'm trying to trying to deal with it in my heart. Even the other day, I I. Uh, Usually, after I go to the gym to play basketball i uh, i come I come home and I tell Ruthie about playing ball and and how me and Josue, we won like every game and and man I was, all these moves I did I start telling her about everything I did and I was like, man honey, I'm just thankful to God that man I, I got the hel- the health to do this and man I, and, and that and that he gave me this skill and man i'm so I'm so and I and then like a light bulb went on my head and I was like oh, I'm proud, oops, <laughs> and I just confessed that, and I was like, and I was making it about me and wanting to beat everyone and be the best, and, and it was really just pride in my life, and the funny thing is, a couple days later, I, I rolled my ankle, God humbled me, <laughs> and I haven't played ball since, so, but I'll be back soon, so, all right, so how do we deal with pride? How do we deal with pride? The Bible tells us that we're to humble ourselves, right? The good news in all of this, I know it's very heavy when you start talking about pride, and it's scary. Hey, God's opposed to the proud, but, but God, the good news is God doesn't want to crush us. He doesn't want to destroy us. He, he wants to give us his grace. He wants to restore us. He wants to exalt us, right? That's what the uh, It always starts out with God's, God's opposed, but then it says here's what God wants, right? In Luke 18, 14, it says, the one who humbles himself will be exalted. James 4, 6, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble, right? God wants to give grace. God wants to exalt us. Even the tax collector, right? He humbles himself. God justifies him. That's the good news. <laughs> that that's, gives us hope and encouragement that God wants to, to deal with this in our life. And He wants to change us and and free us from that. And He wants to be in control for our good. So to understand humility, let's look at the greatest example of humility in history. Jesus Christ. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians 2, we'll start at verse 3. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Look each of you not to, not only to his own interest, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross, right? Per, Paul is encouraging us here to take on the attitude and, and the actions, the mind of of Christ, which is only ours in Christ Jesus by His grace, right? And to look at what Christ has done, right? The God who who empties Himself, right? The the God who's on the throne, the Creator God of all the universe, empties Himself. He steps off that off that throne. He he goes from riches to, to rags, emptying of his glory and the worship that he deserves. Right, he, That's humility. And he became a servant. Right? He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And that he took on the identity of a servant. It says that he, he humbled himself and, and became a man, right? God took on flesh. Think about that, how how mind-blowing that is! That the the God of the universe be, is born as a as a child, to a to a poor peasant girl. Right, that's humility, and he humbles himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. He gives it all away. He pours out his whole life. Thank God he does that. We we need that grace that that he he died for. And he's our example. He's the one where to, you know, when we be, start boasting and we start having prideful thoughts and motives to, to go and consider Christ. Right? To remember that it's not about me. It's about Christ. So I got a, four things that we can do to humble ourselves before the Lord that we'll wrap up in with here. The first thing I, I want us to do is pray regularly for the Lord to change our hearts. We have to pray and ask God to change us. Humility is not a thing that you can do, right? You can't make yourself more humble, right? If you're like, okay, I can do it. I'm going to be more humble. All right, I'm, I'm going to push away these thoughts, and I'm going to control it. That's just pride. That's prideful control. Humility comes from surrender, and we need to pray and ask God and the Holy Spirit to change us and free us, give us a new attitude, just like that tax collector, right? Right? Remember the tax collector. Two is we need to confess our pride. If, if we're convicted over our, our prideful attitudes or behaviors, we need to confess this. May, maybe you need to go confess to your spouse, a, a pastor, a trusted friend. You need to confess your pride. There's something powerful that happens when you, when you speak it verbally and you, and you tell someone. Right, it, it takes great humility to admit it. So confess it to someone. And if your prideful attitudes and, and behaviors and your prideful control has harmed others, you need to confess it to those you have harmed. And you need to ask for forgiveness to those you have harmed. Right, Those who you've sinned against. Those who you've controlled. Those who you've grown angry and, and maybe tried to manipulate. And maybe it's your spouse that you need to to confess your pride to, you know, maybe it's your your children, and you need to get down on your knee before your your child and and humble yourself and, and confess it, and 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 then don't just confess it, but ask for forgiveness before God and before them. It reconciles relationships, right? It shows humility. You can admit to your kids that that you fall short and you need God's grace, and it's a picture of of God, you know, of the gospel for them. I'd encourage you to do that. Don't miss out on that opportunity. Three, is we need to serve others and, and put God first. right? Pride says it's about me and we need to do others that show that it's not about me, it's about God and about others. Right? That we're created not for self, but we're created for, for the Lord and, and serving others. We need to Put on the attitude of Christ and lay down our life for others. Be willing to do lowly things. There's no job that is too low for us. There's no person that is too low for us to serve. I talked about this a a few weeks ago about this idea of fighting for obscurity. We should fight for obscurity, which is just humility, right? And fighting for obscurity is, is doing things where low things that no one wants to do, where you're, you're not going to get any credit, no one's going to thank you, but there are opportunities to serve and there are opportunities to humble yourself, right? So when you're at work and there's the job that no one wants to do at work, don't say anything, humble yourself and do what no one else wants to do without expecting any praise, without expecting a, a raise or any credit not even expecting a thank you, and just keep doing that, right? And even when people still complain, you can keep doing it and say, you know what, I don't deserve any praise. I'm doing this for the Lord. He's going to exalt me, right? Not man. So maybe you're a, a student and you live at home, do stuff at home that no one else wants to do, right? Mow the lawn, wash the dishes. If you have a roommate, maybe you live with a roommate, right? And you're always complaining about, oh, they leave their, Junk everywhere. They don't. They don't ever clean up after themselves. You can humble yourself and practice humility by not grumbling and just do it. You know, it's not going to kill you. You can practice. You can fight for obscurity, and you can humble yourself, and that'll be a. noah you know what? It'll bring you more joy if you do that, because instead of grumbling and complaining and arguing, you know what? I'm just going to take on the attitude of Christ, and I'm going to serve, and I don't deserve these people to do anything for me. Number four is we need to have a right view of ourselves before God. We have to have a right view of ourselves before God. This is important for humility, right? We have to see that we're, we're God's creatures. We're created. We're not the creator, right? We're infinite. We're small. We're limited in our abilities, limited in our intelligence. Uh, we don't deserve anything from God, right? In fact, if we if we deserve anything, we we deserve God's wrath, His judgment in our life, right? If we have a right view of ourselves, we're sinners. We're mortal, and on the other hand, God is God is great, God is glorious, God is gracious, God is good, God is eternal, and. Infinite and all-knowing and all-powerful and omnipresent. How amazing is God? Right? His majesty. He's the King of kings, the Lord of lords. Right? And so when we, we have this right view of God as, as great and big, infinite, and we have the right view of ourselves as, as small, right, only deserving of God's wrath, it humbles us. It humbles us and in first corinthians four seven says, What do you have that you did not receive, and if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it right and so we when we have a right view of before God, then we see even the the talents and and the abilities and the gifts and everything that I have has been given by God, right? I have a right view of God as he's the Lord and He gives gifts and and abilities and and it's not me. God is big. I'm small. That's humility. And so, developing this identity of a humble servant, it won't happen overnight. You'll never reach completion in this life, but we seek to be faithful to God and and repent and and confess and ask Him to change us, which is freedom. And And it's like a uh, an onion, right? When you peel an onion, you pull off one layer, and what's there? Another layer, and another layer, and another layer, and you keep having to peel them. And, and that's how your life's going to look, right? You're not going to be like, oh, I dealt with pride, all done, I'm humble now, right? You're just going to have to keep dealing with it, and dealing with it, and confessing, and repenting, and seeking to humble yourself, and, and that's just going to be life, Right? And, and and you know forsaking pride and submitting, asking God in His Spirit to change us. And, and when we arrive before Christ, is when we'll be glorified, right? When we when we're in His kingdom, and He does away with all sin, and death and pain. That's when we'll stand before Christ, holy and perfect. But until then, we we fight against pride, right? We try to peel off those layers one by one. And that's life, humbling ourselves before God. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I, I pray, Lord, that if we've been convicted of pride today, Lord, that we wouldn't despair and, and give up because, oh, man, this is too much, but that's pride, thinking that, oh, it's too much for me to handle. Uh, I pray that we would surrender and know that you can handle our pride and you can deal with it, you can change us, you can free us. Help us surrender. All things to you, Lord. Change us. Free us. I pray that we would not miss out on the opportunity to confess our pride and ask for forgiveness, Lord. Repent and even have maybe those relationships that have been harmed by our pride, the bonds of unforgiveness be broken, Lord. Thank you for this, Lord. Help us exalt you with all of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.